I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. And I had done, like, the first round audition, I think I'd done, like, three or four rounds, and I was, like, driving down to the Gold Coast, which is, like, an hour or two away. I remember my, like, first callback, I got lost, even though I, like, my grandparents live at the Gold Coast, I go there all the time. I somehow, like, ended up on the other side of where I needed to be, and it was, like, half an hour late. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first time tuning in, this is a show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in this wild industry, and then I make them share a couple embarrassing audition stories. I don't have, have much to say in this uh, in this preamble, if you will. Um, I have just been super busy and um, working a lot, and it's been great, but I am tired. Um, I'm getting better at my trapeze routine. So there's that. That's that's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, that's that's about it. Um, before we get into things, if you are not subscribed to the show, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to it right now and leave us some love, some ratings, some reviews, some stars, some hearts, whatever is there. Click it, please. Um, and then uh, make sure to follow us on social media. Those links are in the show notes. We post cool videos every week. So check that out. Today on the show, we have Ella Proberts. Uh, you may remember her from Netflix's Mako Mermaids, uh, or you may have seen her in the brand new film, The Curious Case of Dolphin Bay. We also talk about her work with the UN Foundation Girl Up and um, 
a bunch of other stuff. So here's our conversation. And welcome to the show, Ella. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. Um, We were just talking before we started recording about how bizarre it is to be in different time zones because you're a whole day ahead of me right now, which is just so strange. It's crazy. It's wigging me out a little bit that we're like, I don't know, it feels like time traveling. I'm seeing into your your day before. I don't know. It's it's weird to me. <laughs> it's so weird. I remember the first time like it really hit me was I flew back from I was in South Korea and I flew back and I was in the day that I had flown out. So it was like, you, like regained I lost I yeah, I regained a day. It's yeah, it's so cool, but still wigs me out. Um yeah. I'm never gonna get over it. <laughs> No, never, never going to get over it. Um, So welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you here. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, your acting career and how you got started. I read that you caught the acting bug at an early age. So I wanted to know, you know, what was that like first moment that you were like, ooh, that looks fun. I want to do that. Yeah. So it was actually in year one. So first grade, I would have been six and my best friend at the time would always talk to me about these drama classes she'd been going to. And I was like slowly getting more and more intrigued, like what she's talking about, what even is drama. It just sounded like some magical land where you were like encouraged to play dress ups. And I just was in disbelief about that. I just didn't believe that that was a (laughs) thing that was praised by adults. And um, she kept talking to me about it. And then one day she was like, our teacher like threw us a party and she like gave us these Freddo frogs and I was like whoa that's just insane because I was doing gymnastics at the time um I I did very competitive gymnastics like all throughout my childhood pretty much so having Mm. like a party or something fun like that was just so foreign to me anyway so I went and told my parents about it and they thought it was a great idea um my dad actually Turns out he did quite a bit of acting when he was in high school. So he was happy to be Oh, dad was holding out, huh? Yeah, yeah. He, I think the story was he didn't do his maths assignment and the school musical auditions were on at the same time that it was due. So it was like went to the auditions instead and ended up getting a lead role in Oliver. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was cool. So I was like, yeah, all right, maybe, maybe I should follow down the same path. Um, yeah, so I ended up in drama classes and I loved it just as much as I thought I would. And wow. So your parents were super supportive, which is always like a good thing. Cause there it's either, I feel like everyone who is an actor catches the bug when you're small, Mm -hmm. it's like, you see it and you're just like, Oh, I need to do that. Mm -hmm. And you either have the parent who's like, no, you're going to finish school. You're going to do all these things. You're not going to look at it until you're an adult. Or you have the ones that are like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> My parents definitely wanted me to just try whatever I, I liked and see what kind of went from there. I guess that's why I stayed in gymnastics because I just – I did really enjoy it um, and the same with drama. So as soon as I liked something, my parents really encouraged it. But um, at the same time, my schools really encouraged like extracurricular mm. things um, and gymnastics was never a thing I could do at school. So – I think it was like really encouraged that I did drama so that I was, you know, doing something as part of the school and meeting people through that, um, which was 
good because I, I don't I don't think that's very common at many other schools at least when we were younger drama was a very popular thing mm. but when <laughs> you get older in high school <laughs> I can't say the same thing <laughs> then you become the drama dorks and everyone's like oh gosh what play are they reading yeah, now exactly yeah <laughs> that's so cute so when did you start um like professionally auditioning and acting so I stayed in that um, community drama school for a few years, like all throughout primary school, really. And towards, I, I'd say it would be about year five, there was a girl a few years older who signed with an agent. And um, I just thought that was so cool that she got to do other acting things. I didn't really understand what mm. it was, but I would I kept kind of talking to my mum about it, like, oh, this girl's, like, doing all these cool things and, like, it's not just with with the community theatre, like, she's, she's branching out. And so we kind of just got in contact with her and she helped us go through her agent um, when I was in fifth grade, I guess. And I did quite a bit of that mm. through primary school, mainly just commercials, and then yeah. towards the end, once I was doing a bit more acting, I started getting into short films and then I did an episode of Mako Mermaids. Yeah, which must have been so fun. Were you a fan of H2O? Was that like a dream come true? Yeah, that was really surreal to me. Um, I was definitely an, a H2O girl. I loved everything like Disney and Nickelodeon and everything. So that was, that was pretty crazy. I was so nervous though because I... I'd been theatre trained, but not acting trained. So I was kind mm. of like, because they go like rolling, mark, action. And I never knew which one to right. go on. Like, obviously it's action, but I would always go too early. Like, as soon as they said something, I'd be like, and say my lines. And I just remember being <laughs> so nervous that whole time and like not knowing what was going on. Um, but I was just like happy to see the dolphins. And we were at like... Um, yeah. yeah what a dream it role. was just so fun we were at sea world and it, i was just watching the older girls like wow they're so cool like they know what to do and when to start speaking <laughs> <laughs> it was just yeah a, an exciting experience now did you get to see a mermaid i mean that's the real yes question. i got to sw- see them swimming around in their mermaid tails and i was like oh my god this is now that girl. is so cool yeah and they were telling me the like production team I think they just liked that I was like so like baffled by everything and they were telling me how like the weight works in the tails and how the girls had to be trained to swim in them because they were so heavy that you could potentially mm. drown in the tails and I was like what? what I know I was like wow they must be like superhuman to be swimming in these tails like it was, <laughs> it was crazy Wow. And then you continued to work with dolphins uh, yeah. with the Curious Case of Dolphin that. Bay. I know. I've already been typecast. Uh, you have. <laughs> She's the girl with the dolphins. The, the, sea, the sea life girl. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that ended up happening at the end of last year, which and it's only just come out now. So that's, yeah, yeah years and years after. But um, yeah, it's it's... I, I love the vibe of it. It's such an Aussie thing, yeah. like having the water <laughs> and, you know, dolphins and sea creatures. I don't know. It's definitely fun. So tell me a little bit about your character in The Curious Case of Dolphin Bay. I would love to know all about it. Yes. So Daniela is a little bit of an antagonist. 
Actually, now that I think about it, so was Patty in in who I played in <laughs> Mako Mermaids, which I've never I've never drawn those two things together. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have to put together a chart and like compare the two. I know. Um, that's really funny. But Daniela is she can be a bit abrasive, which was interesting at first because. I guess I'm not naturally drawn to playing those types of characters. Like it's fun and interesting, but I think it was like something like, how am I going to find like the truth in that? Um, Mm. Because I think in school, like you can have those mean characters, but for me, it wasn't necessarily girls who were just upfront bullies. I think it was people who were more like snide and a bit backhanded, which is kind of like when you look to it, a little bit of what Daniela was, but, I think underneath it all, she was really just confused and just not sure who she wanted to be or be friends with or how she wanted to come off and just a bit lost between America where she lived and was best friends with Quinn, the main character, and Australia where she moved and is now friends with Jennifer. Mm. Um, So she's stuck in between these two worlds and I think that's where I kind of found that sort of soft point where I could relate to her because I've definitely been in that situation of being stuck in between the two worlds of like acting mm-hmm. and school and university and stuff. And it, it's it's interesting that you said it, it was difficult to find the soft spot for her because I think that a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people who aren't aware of acting in the same way that we are, they don't understand that, you know, you have to find the humanity and everything. Mm. And it's difficult to find that with characters who are like, you know, the mean girls or whatnot, because you're just expected to be this, you know, very stock type mm-hmm. of mean girl and like, oh, yeah, she was the mean girl on the show. And that makes sense because she's now the mean girl over here. So it's difficult to find that. Um, and I wonder what was like your process as an actor? I know you said you found it in like a certain spot for her, but do you have something that works for you? Like, is it a certain amount of times you read the script? Do you have any superstitions around any of that type of stuff? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I always love hearing, (laughs) you know, superstars, like what their process is. But um, I think something that I learned just in an acting class right before shooting this is that like no villain ever thinks they're the villain. No bully ever thinks they're doing anything wrong. Um, just like we we always justify like our own actions. So my th- my process for Daniela, I talked with the director before and she said she didn't want to make this a stock standard bully, like you were saying, that she said mm-hmm. she wanted to see more of that humanity in her and hopefully a glimpse into her side of things. And so what I did was where I was a little bit confused with why she was being so mean or abrasive in certain parts of the dialogue, I would just like journal as if I was Daniela and Mm. um, draw connections to maybe why she was feeling so hurt by a certain comment and why she had to go so overboard in a certain um, monologue of hers. And that just really helped to make her a real person rather than just the bully. And, um, Obviously, I talked to Isabella, who plays Quinn, and we kind of tried to piece together maybe why there was so much friction. And obviously, through conversations with the director, Christine, she was amazing. She 
really just wanted us to feel comfortable in our own characters. And um, she she definitely did that. She called set a playpen um, just for us to oh, throw around. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it was amazing, especially for such a quick shoot. We only had three weeks and she still Oof. really prioritised. I know. She still managed to prioritise us just trying to have fun with it and try new things. Um, so definitely an inspiration for all of us cast and and crew from what I've heard. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You mentioned having to balance acting and university, and I want to talk to you about that. Um, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to try and balance. Mm-hmm. I only just went back to college oh, wow. like a year ago yeah. because I couldn't do it when I was younger. There was no way for me to figure out how to how to balance mm-hmm. that. So what is what has that been like for you? How have you been able to manage it all? It's been a journey. Um, <laughs> I have changed degrees because I think a big part of balancing different parts of your life is you just have to love both and it has to be worth it to you. Um, where I find a lot of peace in in university now is it's not so much a backup option if acting fails. It's just giving me more skills to act better. So I'm doing journalism mm. and international relations. So that's just a pathway for me to like learn about the world and things I could write about or work with other people in like producing perhaps like in documentary style or investigative stories. Um, You know, like I just watched the Stanford prison experiment the other night. Oh yeah. Isn't that so Mm, good? Amazing. Those sort of truthful, dramatic storytelling things. Like that's kind of the way I see it because at the end of the day, like acting should be truth. And journalism is trying to find the truth. So they so they go together um, just in, in different ways. And secondly, it kind of takes that pressure off of mm. always needing to get the role when you, when you audition or always needing to be perfect because I've found that, you know, you can't be perfect in acting, but you still put that pressure on yourself and that takes away the sort of beauty of a performance sometimes. 
so doing this degree has kind of made me see it as that fun thing again like I did when I was little oh I love that I mean you bring up a good point I always tell actors young actors who are about to go off to university don't study acting Mm -hmm. do something else build a different part of your brain get more knowledge in a different area because that all is going to be able to help you as an actor grow and succeed Mm -hmm. exactly and I think you know until you make it or get that breakout role there's always you're always going to have to be doing a side hustle or working another job working at a cafe so might as well be doing something that you like and like stimulating another part of your brain that is I'm sure like acting school is so valuable and I would love to love to go to acting school so I'm actually taking a like six month break off of uni to do like a six month program in the states and um I think that's like a great alternative because you can still have it's great immersive experience. There's just I think especially now there's so many options and different routes to go mm-hmm. in in this industry. It's true, and you know the thing is, is that you can take acting class from so many different people at so many different times. You don't have to do it right when you're in college. You can figure it out afterwards, or you can do it while you're still in university. I mean. It's it's cool because acting is one of those trades where you don't have to have a degree to be good at it or know what you're doing. You can take a class whenever. Exactly. It's good and bad because there's so many people that can do it. <laughs> True. Um, and there's like, it's kind of annoying. It's like, I wish there was one set pathway, like this one would be successful. But, um, you know, that's the beauty of it as well. And it's kind of nice having that sort of liberty to choose who you're being taught by. Um, when you're not in an institution because you can then like you can do like a month of classes from a certain teacher and decide whether they work for you and move on which um, I've been really enjoying yeah it's it's fun to be able to learn from different people because I feel like everyone has their own process of of how they make characters and being able to learn from so many different people throughout your life you start to develop your own way of doing things Mm -hmm. and you take a little bit from this person and a little bit from that person and you make what works for you, which is what's really magical, magical about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was talking about this with a friend last night, like every teacher thinks they're right. So, and they are because (laughs) they know what works for them. So I think it's like you, you have to sort of be your own teacher and then pick from those other teachers and um, mm-hmm. come up with your own method, which is fun and exciting, but also frustrating when when it's like a different yeah. method for every different character. Like you never, you never quite know if you're right. Yeah, it's true. You don't. <laughs> Even when you get on that set, you yeah. still don't know if you're right. <laughs> if they like it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so on this show, we like to share audition stories. Now, that can be um, something funny that's happened in the room, something embarrassing or, you know, the big one that got away. Uh, is there a story that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yes. Um, there was this indie film a few, oh, it would have been like last year and it was before Dolphin Bay. So it would have been my first like film and it was really small, really low budget and I had done like the first round audition I think I'd done like three or four rounds and I was like driving down to the Gold Coast which is like 
an hour or two away. I remember my like first call back, I got lost. Even though I like my grandparents live at the Gold Coast, I go there all the time. I somehow like ended up on the other side of where I needed to be and it was like half an hour late. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And I was like all sweaty and I like didn't have any deodorant. <laughs> and then I ended up getting a call back and I like really, really thought I got it. And then um, I got a call saying like, sorry, we were down to the final two and you just missed out. It was nothing wrong with your acting. It's just your look, um, which is like awesome feedback because you're like, well, <laughs> can't change my face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good and bad because it's like, oh, well, there's nothing I could have done. Um, but then I tried to be like, oh, it's all right. Like it was just an indie. Like it would have just been for my experience. Like I'm sure it's not really going to go anywhere, like whatever. And then it made it to the Cannes Film Festival. I know. Oh, no. <laughs> and I remember like trying to be like so happy for this like young director, producer, and she's a female as well. And I was like, that's just incredible. But like, you know, when you were down to the final two, it's it's like, oh, it's, yeah. It's a gut punch yeah. for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, Dolphin Bay was an awesome, awesome experience as well. And it had happened at the, like, I think, I don't even know whether I would have been able to do both with the shooting schedule. Yeah. So everything happens for a reason. That's what I'm just. It's true. Yeah, that's it's true because isn't Dolphin Bay in theaters now in Australia? Yeah. I mean, Yeah. So that's pretty surreal. It's pretty exciting. I, I'm just so grateful for that experience, really. Um. Have you gone? Have you seen your face out out there? Have you made all of your friends go? <laughs> my parents took me. I went with my mom and my dad. That's so sweet. It was, it was really sweet of them. It's just a weird thing, though, to see yourself in the movies. Um, I kind of, like, don't remember much of what happens because it's such an adrenaline rush. Um, it's like watching mm-hmm. your tapes back. Like, it's not yeah. the most enjoyable experience. It's like a blackout experience. Yeah, so it's like a weird thing, but it's also just so exciting. Um, see, like having having that out there. So, yeah, I can't remember. Oh man. Um, well, before we wrap things up, I just want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about Girl Up, which is the United Nations Foundation that you work with, and tell the listeners a little bit about it because I think that's like so freaking cool that you're out there Thanks. doing this amazing advocate advocation for young women across the world yeah thank you um girl up is a pretty amazing organization so it is like a two-tiered system it starts with clubs run by girls mainly in schools some in universities some not even associated with either and they focus on advocacy and leadership for young girls so you can do things like fun runs to raise money um like advocacy sessions like self-defense sessions anything and the whole and the public is welcome and girls basically just run the the sessions and boys boys are mm. definitely allowed in the club that's like definitely <laughs> something I want to get out of that but um the second tier of it is the money you raise goes back into mainly UN missions that support women so UN women UNESCO um and they have those kind of organizations set up to have like a system where the money goes to people who actually need it and like ensure the money's being used for the right things that have an impact um and it's just connected me with some incredible young girls who are 
just trying their best to have an impact no matter who they're impacting or how many people they're impacting um it's just been really amazing to meet such selfless people um so yeah the the girl up clubs are in over 130 countries now and yeah it's it's doing pretty amazingly and um there are the number of clubs are in the thousands which is pretty cool it's a lot smaller in australia but um in the u.s it's really growing they did a fragrant fragrance with billy eilish oh my gosh pretty cool i saw that and i was like whoa wait what <laughs> you're like excuse yeah, me what why, was I? why did no one tell me <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yeah they're, they're certainly growing and you know if anyone listening is in school it's definitely something to investigate because it's just the way my friend actually ran a club um in her Mm. school and it's really just you you get together like maybe once every week and just plan certain fundraising events and all the people that join are like like like-minded and always have other things going and ideas to bring and it's just a nice safe space really with yeah guys and girls who are passionate about the same thing that's so awesome um I love that you have started to use your voice for these amazing causes I mean what what got you into to girl up and and just advocacy in general so I went to a school that was really focused on social justice like we had different clubs for a lot of different causes like um breakfast you would make breakfast for the homeless population near us and like packaging for domestic violence shelters like sorry Australia sounds amazing I think I need to live there it was pretty amazing and I think reflecting now that I'm out of school the most amazing part about it is that it was a cool thing to do like you weren't trying too hard or like weird for for doing those things it was kind of just an expected thing um and I just loved it. It was such a positive vibe. All the people, all the girls, it was an all girls school, like coming together and doing those things. And I don't know, it was just like a nice break from, you know, there's any of the negativity um, mm-hmm. that comes with going to a, an all girls school as well. Um, <laughs> it, was, I, I, it was just always a positive thing for me. Um, so I ended up being school captain in year 12. And through that, I went to like this, camp with the other girl and like a few other girls from schools around our area and a speaker from girl up came and Mm -hmm. I just thought it sounded really cool and um I went to talk to her about how the clubs worked and she was like oh there's actually an opening for um the Australian leader like co-leader it's like a volunteer position and I was like okay I'll take it like it sounds awesome (laughs) and she like helped train me and we've been you know trying to basically um work on the Australian system ever since um you know it's an ongoing process because the Australian um development isn't as like intense as the US one but I guess it's just an example of that that sort of community if you're interested we just like want as many people to be involved as we can so you never really know what opportunities can come from just getting involved I love that so much. Um, that's so cool. And what a what a fantastic organization to be a part of. So thank you for your work on that. It's always great to to meet somebody volunteering their their time for something as important as that. Um, 
So lastly, before we go, what do you have next in your acting life? I know you're very busy with all the other things, but um, is there anything that you can spill the beans on a little bit before we go? Yeah, so um, my friend Jane Larkin, she is an amazing director and writer, and she's also an Australian athlete and a PhD candidate. Mm. I don't know what she doesn't do. Um, <laughs> uh, does she sleep? I, I, mean... I don't think she does. Um, but she has made a film about um, elite female athletes and I have a little role in that and it's in post-production at the moment. But um, there are just the, – the cast is amazing. They're all actually Olympic or international athletes who are in the lead roles and it's just such an important story and it was r- amazing to be part of even even in a small way. So mm. that, that'll be coming out soon and um, – I'm really excited to to see it and see all Jane's hard work come to. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Well, before we wrap things up, uh, do you have social media that you can tell the listeners to follow you to to continue on this journey with you? Yes, thank you. Um, My Instagram (laughs) is just Ella Probert, so P-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on, Ella. It was such a pleasure talking to you and I'm so excited for your future and all the the cool things that you're doing because it's amazing and you're so well-rounded. So it's it's really nice to see someone like you succeeding. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed chatting. Thanks again to Ella for coming on the show. Make sure to check out her new film, The Curious Case of Dolphin Bay. And hey, if um, Girl Up sounded like a cool thing that you wanted to get involved in, Uh, I'm putting that link in the show notes as well. So check out Girl Up, see how you can get involved. And um, yeah, thanks, Ella. Thanks for telling us about that. Tune in next week for a brand new episode with another guest. And um, have a great week, everybody. And as always, thanks for coming in. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But Wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to Season 1, we are thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.